Are you a real estate investor looking to sharpen your skills or a newbie looking to become one? You're in the right place. Welcome to Where Should I Invest? Real Estate Investing in Canada with your host, Sarah Larvey. Short-term and mid-term rentals. You're listening to Where Should I Invest with Sarah Larby, and that's what we're going to be speaking about today. And I have a special co-host on this episode with me, Aisha Govani, who is my business partner in mid-term rental properties. Originally started off as my executive assistant, found her on Instagram, and we've been connected ever since. And now we have a business together. So that is super exciting. Today's episode is also brought to us by Streetwise Mortgages. Dahlia, what is today's tip of the week? Over to you. Hi, I'm Dahlia, founder of Streetwise Mortgages. As we navigate through challenging market conditions, particularly the fluctuating interest rates, I encourage you to embrace a long-term mindset and consider strategies that will not only help you persevere during the present circumstances, but also lay the foundation for future success. Whether you're approaching a renewal and are unsure of what turn to take due to market uncertainty, or if you're aiming to successfully structure a purchase or simply assess where you are currently to identify opportunities to save, enhance cash flow, write the market cycle, smartly line up capital to scale, or plan your next phase of growth. My team and I are here to guide you. We are here to help you navigate this new environment that we're in with confidence and with clarity. You can always lean on us and email us at info at streetwisemortgages.com. We are here to help. Talking about playing the long-term game, we are seeing more and more investors step into multifamily investing, and particularly apartment buildings of five or more units. They're using the burst strategy to renovate, increase the rents, increase the value, and eventually refinance with CMHC. And we're seeing more and more deals go towards the MLI Select program. I want to share with you today six money strategies that you can tap into to acquire and renovate an apartment building. And in the next series of episodes, I will be digging deeper into each of these strategies and I will guide you through when to use the strategy and what to watch for. Here are the six money strategies to acquire and renovate an apartment building. Number one, unsecured financing, which is what's referred to in the investment community as promissory notes. Number two, private money or private mortgages. These are loans that are secured in first or second position on the building you're buying or on the rest of your portfolio, one or more properties within your portfolio. Number three, vendor takebacks, which are often interest-only loans that you can negotiate with the seller of the building and you can negotiate it in first or second position. Number four, bridge financing, or what I refer to as a bundle loan to acquire the building and to renovate it. These are also interest-only loans. Number five, traditional financing. This is where you would assume an existing mortgage on the building, or you can apply for a new traditional mortgage. And under this option, you would be paying principal and interest. And lastly, money partners, which entails raising capital from others who want to invest with you 
either under a corporate shareholder structure or under what's referred to as a GPLP structure. Unsecured financing, private mortgages, and vendor takebacks is what's referred to as creative financing. And you'll find that your most expensive and riskiest type of money is unsecured financing. And as you move away from that into other money strategies, typically your cost and risk will go down. When it comes to equity money or raising money from others, that's what I call patient money. That's the type of money that is going to give you some breathing room to focus on turning the building around without the debt clock ticking on you. However, it may cost you in the long run, depending on how you structure your deals with your money partners. So how do you know which of these strategies to use to acquire and renovate a building? Well, it all depends on the capital resources available to you at the time of acquisition, your risk appetite, how much upside is there in the project for the risk and cost of money you're taking? And can you achieve your repositioning targets within the timeline the money strategy offers you? For example, if you don't want to go out there and raise capital, and if you don't have much to inject into a deal, then you will have to tap into the creative strategy. My point is, your situation is unique. Your project is unique. You are unique. Do not, do not jump into a strategy because it sounds cool or because everyone is talking about it. Fully understand what you're stepping into. Run them out. Be conservative in your assumptions. Be conservative in your timelines. Be conservative in your budgets. And engineer your money strategies going into the deal with an understanding of how you will pay that money back and what your exit strategy looks like. There are many moving pieces to structuring financing successfully on multifamily properties. My team and I will help you determine the best financing structures to acquire, renovate, and exit a deal. And most importantly, mitigate the risks of the common money setbacks that we've seen investors experience as they step from residential to multifamily or as they try to scale up their existing multifamily portfolios. You can email us at info at streetwisemortgages.com to learn more about our complimentary multifamily level up program and to book your strategy session. I've also curated over 25 hours of multifamily content valued at $1,500 as part of my Multifamily Insider, where you can get exclusive access to investor interviews, property walkthroughs, deal, deal, deal analysis videos, exclusive lender interviews, and expert interviews on risk management, property management appraisals, as well as our advanced debt coverage calculator. You can access it at www.levelup2multifamily.com, all one word, at a 50% discount using code SUMMER50, all in capital letters, until July 1st. Awesome. Thank you, Dahlia. That was great, guys. Reach out to Streetwise Mortgages for more financing information. On that note, guys, check out Inspire Beach Resort as well. We've got different events happening along the way throughout the summer. We also have the ability to create packages, all-inclusive packages, and lots more. InspireBeachResort.com. 
And today's guest is the one and only Brayden Ross, who has a lot of experience in short-term and mid-term. So I hope you guys enjoy today's show. Brayden, welcome to the show. How are you? I am not as warm as you down in Florida. I know you guys are down in Florida right now. I'm currently up in Canada, but we are starting to get nice weather and it's a good time for Airbnb high season. Absolutely. This is what we're going to cover today. So I have Aisha with me as well. So we are actually down in Florida, like you mentioned, for the VRMA Executive Conference. And tonight is the reception and tomorrow is the actual sessions. So we're looking forward to it. But today is not about us. It's about you. Uh, so give us a little bit of, you know, information, high level views of, you know, what it is that you do and who you are. Yeah. High level. I guess the make it short. People don't have a long attention span, including me, myself, as I say, me, myself <laughs> and uh, me, myself and I No, I've been in the short term rental space since 2017. Bought my first property in 2016, didn't get it till 2017. And I'm from Calgary, Alberta originally. And that's how I got started. It was the Calgary Stampede. And I thought, I'm going to put this little one bedroom unit on Airbnb. And at the time, there was really no competition. It was like the Wild West. There's no regulations, really, meaning you have to get the licenses and all these other things. So I did that. And I went to Vegas and I went to Mexico with my best friend. And I'm like, I wonder if this is going to help me pay for part of this trip. Well, I was booked solid and I felt there's something here. But What's cool is I don't have any more money to keep buying properties. I was young at the time. I was only 21 or 22 years old, somewhere in that range. So I'd saved up to buy this property and I'm like, I got to get creative. So I went on Redfaster, got back and I was like, I don't know much about real estate, but I do know how to run an Airbnb. So I called homeowners that were across the street and I ended up landing a deal, which people call rental arbitrage now, master leasing. And I didn't even know what it was called. So I assumed it was subleasing. But essentially, I called a homeowner, got them on board, told them I'm a super host, so much I'm making with my property. It did really well. I'll pay you the time. I even offered them a premium. But you know what you're doing now? If you try to get multiple units from like a management company, you can discount that rate and even get a lower house security deposit, sometimes none, and even lease concessions, which is no rent on the lease if you sign a longer lease. So, but I was just starting. So I learned the hard way and couple months later, I got fined. I got fined out of every reservation. They basically caught me doing Airbnb. I didn't know I had to read the bylaws, but I signed off on it in the contract, the lease. And I didn't know you needed all these things like a lease addendum that in writing, they have to give you additional permission, blah, blah, blah. And so I lost that deal. So I made money and then I lost the money and I still had my unit. And in short, I... I kept going with it, but I want to land no money down deals. So I figured out, okay, I wonder if I could help people and even take it a step further, try to put hotels on Airbnb. So I wonder if I could do that. And so why work with one homeowner when I could put an entire building on there and fill their vacancies when they're not booked with Expedia and booking? Those are kind of like their primary. I find a lot of hotels. So <laughs> in 20, I think it was 2018, I'm like this is a good idea. I wonder if it could be something. And obviously we didn't know the C word was coming, COVID, <laughs> but that was kind of the downfall for some of the major companies uh, in the space. And I won't name any, but uh, you can research a few and there were nine figure companies, my knowledge, and they lost their business. And I think they were just, they had a ton of master leases. And so I was like, wonder if I could create a separate, like new way of doing this, which is more of just marketing. So I'm not co-hosting really. I'm not kind of co-hosting, not renting. I'm not buying. All I'm doing is just using other people's property and filling the void and making money when they do. So it's a no brainer for them. 
So, so it sounds like it's like guest allocation, which is probably somewhat similar to what we're doing out in Ontario while we're going across Canada, but midterm rental. So are you, is that what kind of you're focusing on now is the guest allocation? It wasn't midterm. It was just, ho- I was just literally connecting and I didn't know how to do this at the time. Like I don't have a coding development background, no IT, nothing. So I had to go sit in a little office sort of thing and like figure out things. And at the time, Airbnb wasn't really introducing the idea of integrating into hotels. You go on Airbnb now and there's hotels listed. So I knew the idea was early. And I knew when I got into Airbnb, it was early on arbitrage because nobody was really doing it at the time. So when I had, and that kind of led me into, and I know a lot of people do it, but like actually consulting and teaching and doing the thing because I actually had done it. I wasn't just saying, hey, this is the idea. I learned it from somebody else. Like I had to go through the failure and do it. So yes, I'm not doing midterm with that. But as a hotel, I was just saying, hey, your Monday and Tuesday is not booked. We'd connect in their PMS using a two-way API. And then that would allow us to list them on an Airbnb account. Airbnb finds the customers. I take a percentage in the middle on every booking. So if there's 50 rooms, you get 10 rooms booked in a night, two, 200 bucks a night, we'll call it, right? It's two grand. Say we take 20%, that's $400. You didn't do much. So the hotel does all the check-ins. They have the concierge. They have all the amenities and they have zoning locations that a lot of Airbnbs can operate in, right? So that is a huge one up that hotels obviously still have against a lot of Airbnbs. And so amenities are huge now in 2023. So I've been in the space for a while, worked with some really cool people, taught lots of people. They brought in tens of millions of dollars in Airbnb reservations that is verified. I've logged in, helped. I've actually had testimonials logged into their accounts. Some of them are, there's actually one guy, he's a friend of mine. He's doing over 5 million a year now with Airbnb has 100 units. But he started, you've heard of me back in the days, like four years ago. And um, when COVID hit, I actually just kind of took a step back and was like, I don't even know what's going to happen. Like, I don't think anybody really did. So yeah, in short, what I'm doing now is I'm still in the real estate slash Airbnb consulting space. I'm really fascinated with tech. So really trying to figure out how to involve tech into hospitality, but still working with, I guess, people that are interested in getting into Airbnbs, but doing less, kind of swinging less and having more output, not working with a million people, but less people, more output. And here we are today, seven years later or six years later. (laughs) So for Calgary, are there bylaws for short term? And if there are, has that impacted your strategy with the hotels? Yeah, it's actually funny because, yeah, I won't go through the whole story, but it's like just weird how the world works. And they say like six degrees of separation. You're six people apart from anyone. I think it's less now, obviously, I think. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. But bylaws, definitely. I think it affected most cities and it's in, inherently it's going to affect more and more cities. Once the government sees the amount of revenue coming in, Toronto's a huge indicator for this one. I think they, they have super strict regulations, 180 days a year, et cetera. So it's like you need, some people have to apply for a $5,000 license. I don't operate in Toronto. I don't really know too much. I just read it one time, two times. So. Calgary, it was like a couple of years back and we have something called the Calgary Herald and a lady from the Calgary Herald, I guess, was trying to reach me. And this is before it kind of really started to take off and everybody started doing it. They're like, this guy is, you know, he's running all these Airbnbs. They wrote an article on it. And this is before regulations had passed. The hotel association wanted to get my voice on hearing about how they should regulate and why Airbnb hosts shouldn't be taxed the same way hotels do because it's stealing business. Right. So I got a article written about me that wasn't true. So I had to reach back out and uh, anyways, ended up landing on or ended up being on the same plane ride, going to Mexico with that reporter next to her husband, not realizing that she was sitting next to there, that person, she ended up being super nice. I was telling him, he's like, what do you do? And I'm like, I do Airbnb. And this lady wrote an article about me. 
maybe she'll see this at some point. <laughs> During lunch in Calgary. And she was super nice. So was he. And I said, she wrote this article about me, but it wasn't factual. Like there was things that were off and like they're wanting to impose regulations and create a licensing system. So it was actually based off using me as an example, which I mean, cool, bad, good publicity, whatever. And I said, this lady, her name's, he goes, that's my wife next to me. I said, no way. <laughs> gotta be kidding me. So I like lean over and she goes, oh my God. And on the way back home, Ended up being on the same plane ride. We wrote the article. It was really cool. Went for dinner, lunch with the husband. Fantastic people. But yeah, after that, short-term rental licensing was imposed. I think they wanted to hear from somebody that was doing it early in the space in Calgary. And now I think what we're seeing right now, and this goes for most places, major cities, A-cities, you're going to have a super increase in supply of, of Airbnbs. Interest rates are going up. Homeowners need to make more money. Then they think they're going to make X, but they don't operate professionally and they don't have the amenities and they think, oh, I could just list it. I'm, I'm good. That's not the case. So I think the top performers in Airbnb are going to start to take the market and that's going to, that's just what's going to happen because homeowners do need to make more money right now, or some of them might default on their mortgages. That's just what it is. So anyways, regulations, yes. Con like large condo buildings, a lot of those board of directors used to be a lot easier, I would say, in terms of leniency, but now you'll see a lot of tall towers. So I kind of say to people, if not zoned for that, it hasn't been like that for a while, or you're not on the board of directors, like go after townhomes, homes, or smaller multifamilies, right? So you don't have that huge issue. So yeah, we don't like condos either with the condo boards and all the regulations. But, you know, just like like Calgary and Toronto and London and Hamilton, I mean, these bylaws are coming into place. They are going to likely, my guess is it's going to cover Canada and a lot of the major cities at some point, maybe in the next five years, there's going to be some type of licensing or bylaws or requirements or, you know, just like being able to not do anything unless it's your primary residence. So we're seeing a lot of that. And I think it's important to to prepare for that. And this is, I think, is where like our midterm rental strategies come yeah. into play. But, you know, so, I mean, it's interesting to speak to you because so you've obviously have a lot of experience out West. Can you tell us like what you're working on like today, like what your strategy is today, what your portfolio looks like today? Because it probably changed quite a bit from, I guess, like you said, the C word. It yeah, yeah. made a lot of changes at the end of the day, but like a lot has changed and 7% rates or 6% rates. You've got to think outside the box and do something because long-term rentals aren't necessarily going to cut it for many investors, not only because of the cash flow issue, but also because of the and I don't think you guys have a, as much of an issue in Calgary and Alberta, but just a lot of the regulations against tenants for the long-term stuff. Yeah, it's a little bit more lenient. Uh, out east where you guys are originally, I know you're in Florida right now, it's very strict in those major cities. And it's, if people are operating, some are operating illegally, obviously. I don't recommend that because now the city's starting to hire people to just find you and find you, literally find you to find you. And I think that, yeah, the game's changed. It always does. Airbnbs, you know, people are, I don't want to pay the cleaning fee. I get all these fees on Airbnb. I see the nightly rate, cleaning fee, taxes, service fees, lodging taxes, all these things, and it's adding up. So now the way that Airbnb is showcasing numbers is people, you could essentially do a clickbait before, right? You could have a really nice hero photo, which is like on Netflix, you see a cool title, it might be a crappy movie, but you click it anyway. Airbnb, just like any algorithm, Instagram, share, like, comment, you're going to boost yourself up and being seen by more people. So before you could lower your price, get people to click on your thing. And even if it didn't convert, you're still getting more clicks, right? More clicks, wish lists, but what really matters is the conversion, click the conversion. So now Airbnb is going, here's the price. So whether you hide it through cleaning fees, whether you hide it through the nightly, a lot of people are starting to use strategies and maybe some of the listeners can get a bit of value out of it. It's like implementing no cleaning fees. 
by just incorporating it into the nightly rate by using, you can use a PMS system that'll add like a percentage based on, you know. So what's a PMS system just for those that may be wondering, because I, I have yeah. to ask the questions that people are thinking. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Hey, just want to take a quick moment and introduce you to one of my go-to realtors, Jamil Rahimtula, who brings with him 15 plus years of experience as a real estate investor, as well as has a background in renovations and property management. He's found my last handful of deals for myself and also for my students and uh, is great at negotiations as well. But it is important that when you are picking a realtor that they are investors themselves, understand the investment game and have worked with many investors um, because they're going to be able to bring a team. They're going to be able to bring a team of solid trades and everything else that you need so that you can get into investing and continue your investing game a lot smoother. So in order to reach out to Jamil, you can call or text him. His number is 416-275-7819. Again, it's 416-275-7819 or his website, jamilrahimtula.com. Now back to the show. Yeah. Sometimes I forget that I'm just saying things, but it's like when you've done it so long, property management system. Yeah. So what it does is it helps you just integrate everything. If you're on Airbnb, Verbo, speediabook.com, it just brings it into one hub. It's getting even better now, like smart automations, connecting to smart locks. I was just looking at one PMS system and it has a smart lock integration. Remote lock is one of them, but it's built into the PMS. What that means is like if a guest checks out, it'll automatically change the code and send the new code to the next guest without you having to do it yourself, which can be tedious mm -hmm. at two in the morning. Right. Yeah. Assuming you have a 2 a.m. check-in. So it's just the game's changing. What people are doing is trying to, I think the smarter... I shouldn't say smarter, but the people that are really catching on are like trying to implement lowering the cleaning fees and betting it into the one nightly price. Because when you go to book a hotel, it's clean. You see the nightly rate, your taxes, you're good. And they have economies of scale and trying to clean on the level at which a hotel can, very difficult when you have scattered Airbnbs. And so if you're just getting started, you know, start in your own backyard, I would recommend. You don't have to, but you need to physically go to the property, set it up, get a cleaner maintenance, all the things. So that way you can be remote. So hopefully that answers your question, property management system. For sure. So so you personally, though, like what are like what are some things that you are doing in 2023? Yeah, I think my mindset, people are going to be like, why is he saying this? He's an Airbnb guy. My mindset is and I really like your guys's business model, the midterm rentals. And I think Airbnb has actually started to adapt to that by trying to attract more business travelers, too, because 30 days over 30 days in a lot of these condo buildings, they don't care. They, yeah. they would prefer to have these professionals come in or whoever's coming in for that 30 day time frame, connecting with corporate companies, reaching out to their HR. You guys know more on that than I do, but I've done a lot of research in it. And I think it's something that's prominent and coming up that I think more and more people might adapt to. So whoever's listening, like take some advice from them. They've been doing it longer. And I think that the short-term game is still good. And what happens is I think homeowners you're very seasonal in most places, right? So in Canada, you're going to be probably anywhere from like April 15th to first of May to September 15th. That's your high season. Yeah. Obviously in July, August, we get a short summer. And then if you go to Mexico, it's the opposite, right? So right now it's hurricane season. So it's going to be less business, vice versa. So diversifying your portfolio, where am I at? Where am I at? I'd love to own more property. I want to get into the asset building, long-term wealth side of things where I can pay down a mortgage quicker, use creative financing, and even work with people that know more than me. So yeah, I think it went from... I own a place to arbitrage, to marketing, to now it's like, 
I think we have a huge buying opportunity, not financial advice because people freak out over that stuff because of the high interest rates and you make your money on the buy in real estate and people are going to let their homes go for less because they need to get out of their mortgage. And so if you have cash and you know what you're doing with midterm, short-term, some people even flip, right? Midterm, if you own the property, short-term rentals, high season, midterm and slow season, mm-hmm. they're still making more money and you have flexibility. So anyways, I could go on and on about that, but I think that's, for me, that's what I'm focused on. And I still do consult. If somebody comes to me, I'm looking for a little bit more medium to more high level people. Not that I'm not trying to help people that way. It's just, I think that um, we only have so many swings in life and I don't have all the years in the world. And I know we're trying to reverse aging and all that, but I think right now is the time where you really need to buckle down for the next two years. Well, for the rest of your life, but the next two years, you have a lot of opportunity. So I'm focused on that consulting a little bit of tech right now, but still in the hospitality space and owning. And that's what I'm doing. Yeah, I would actually like to hear more about the tech. You've mentioned that a few times where like you're not a techie guy, but you've actually dipped into that. If you could expand a little bit more on the systems you use. Now, you mentioned the property management system. What other tech, you know, programs that you've come across that have impl- that you've implemented that have made your life easier, that have allowed you to make more money? If you can share that with our listeners, because I know a lot of them are managing multiple properties. Us ourselves were growing. So what are yeah. some that you came across? Why did you choose them? And which have you actually stuck with and are continuing to use? Yeah. And I'm learning heavy right now. I can't say I'm an expert in tech, but I think AI made its voice this year. And I think people with ChatGPT are like, okay, this thing's crazy. It can do copywriting. It can make me lists. It can code an app. It can do a lot of things. So I find that fascinating. It may not mean that I'm not a techie guy in the sense I don't, I'm not doing all the coding, but in terms of being a visionary, um, Henry Ford had people do everything for him. Right. And I'm trying to learn how to do that more. I'm in year six, seven of kind of fully being, you know, just being an entrepreneur. It once does a kid, but really full time. And I've learned that like, yeah, you can scale, you can make good money, but you're going to like get burnt out. And eventually like, I shouldn't even say burnt out. It's based on each person, but you need good people. And I think tech is going to allow you to do that and have that leverage that people aren't going to be able to hold a standard to. And they're saying most jobs will be replaced, right? So my, my interest right now is AI implemented in hospitality. And I think even with hotels, B&Bs, it goes across the board that AI is going to be able to allow a lot of the replacements, such as upsells. When you go into an Airbnb, there's companies that are already doing this, but upsells. If you have an Airbnb on a lake, maybe you own a boat, maybe you've got access to a helicopter, to a winery. Why don't you have an exclusive experience? And there's companies out there, I'll give you one of them called Operto that does this. And I was actually, D-U-V-E is another one. They're really good with just being able to extend that experience to the guests and have the host make more money by just doing more of like the chat communications, chatbots, what's it called? I was just researching it last night. Uh, It was really fascinating. I'm not trying to give, there's something that I was talking about before this podcast where I'm like, I don't want to go too far into it because I hate talking too early. Yeah. So we'll have to have you back back for part two. Yeah. Like I'm just, I'm still, yeah. That's why I'm like, okay, I have it here in here, but I'm like trying to get enough where people can get value. Like where you can start to automate a lot of your business and implementing AI is the upsells and the chats and like people will hire VAs, right? Virtual mm-hmm, assistants. Mm-hmm. They'll go on onlinejobs.ph. Whoever's listening, that's where a lot of people will get them. They'll hire VAs that have extensive Airbnb experience. Maybe I've already worked at Airbnb. Might pay them $5, $6, $7 an hour, $3 an hour. Make it so it's fair. 
but they're the ones doing the communication, the back end work instead of hiring somebody at twenty dollars an hour. Where you can you say what that website was just so people can write it down? Yeah. Onlinejobs.ph. Page for are... Philippines. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's where our VAs are from too. Like they're awesome and they cost like six dollars US an hour. Yeah, and they're wonderful, right? Like they're work hard. They have to do the job. It's like I find and nothing. We're all North, we're North American, right? But I think since COVID, nobody wants to work anymore. No, like, no, exactly. We've had we've had people that we had like high hopes for, and then they start, and then two months later they're gone, or like something happens, and you know it's just it's actually it's really tough. It's really tough, and yeah. it, I think it's our culture, and I don't think it's getting any better. I shouldn't say as a whole because like that. No, I mean lazy, but, but it's and other people. A lot of business owners, like I've had many conversations with entrepreneurs and we're all seeing the same. It's just like, I don't know. It, it, they were maybe just a lot of people just got free money handed over to them, you know, in the last couple of years. And like, sorry if you guys don't like this comment, but it's, you know, I think it created people to just be okay with comfort in the status quo and just coasting. Totally. Um, and that, sorry, that doesn't go for everybody. I mean, some people are still doing the thing and going to work and 100%. don't get me wrong. There's times where it's like, like, it looks cool to be an entrepreneur, but it's not actually cool all the time. Like, it's, it's actually- It's like, it's a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. Like, it, like, like it's, we were on the beach all morning, but we worked the whole time we were on. So, like, yeah. it's you work like, hard and you play hard and it's intertwined, you know, and your nine to five is not nine to five. But like some days, you know, it's going to be like 10 hour days and some days it'll be two hour days. And some days you're going to have a three hour brunch with your friends. And like, there's like flexibility, but it's definitely not- less work it's definitely you've got to be more strategic yeah. and more creative yeah definitely working more yeah they just see you guys you're in florida you're on the beach you know you're hanging out you got your sunglasses on your head you're gonna go to back to the beach after this right Probably like, are. <laughs> got a couple yeah. of margaritas in <laughs> have a couple more after this why not right? so and that's earned though right it doesn't just come and you take all the risk you're taking basically all the risk yeah. You know, you could actually make such good money by just coming in and not being the business owner, but being great at sales and marketing. If you can learn those two things, even just sales, you're going to crush it and you don't have to worry about it because you got to do the, the operations is like you got to fulfill it. Like doing the sales is cool. You get hype, but yeah. getting done is way more work. So just to kind of recap, so you're overseeing a lot of other people's properties, including your own, correct? For from a short-term rental perspective, including some hotels, and I think some in Ontario as well. Am I right or wrong on that? And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Experience Inspire Beach Resorts. It is the resort that we have been building and it is ready. So if you are looking to host events, team building opportunities, retreats of your own, and just even potentially hang out with your friends or family or colleagues. You can rent out a cabin. You can rent out the entire resort. Inspire Beach Resort, it is an adults only. It is Canada's only themed resort specifically for adults. And the themes are really nice. They're really upscale. Like you have like the beach theme. You've got a rustic lodge theme and a vintage Hollywood. And we are adding more every year. But there is uh, an awesome space that is on the water to host your retreats, your events, your business meetings, planning meetings, all of that good stuff. So check that out, inspirebeachresorts.com. Now back to the show. So I'll kind of give you the updated version because things always pivot in business. Yeah, so yeah. when COVID happened, I was like, I'm going to step back. I'm going to eat some Dairy Queen. I'm going to just hang out. I did that for a while. 
And that happened for like, I don't know, six, seven, eight months. Like I, it's not that I didn't do anything. I was still doing things, but we just didn't really know where Airbnb was going to go. People were mm-hmm. panicking. Companies were going out of business. And like if you had rental arbitrage deals, now some of the buildings were banning Airbnb. So now you're losing those deals. Your furniture's depreciated. Like it was just a weird time. So enter into 2021 because it kind of started up here in March, supposedly, or whatever it did. March, whatever. And I think by 2021, I was like, I really want to find a way to go bigger. How can I put a resort on Airbnb? And that was kind of like the next thing. How do you get from a boutique hotel to like these resorts might lose so much business that why don't we just market them and just make money when they do and we won't charge them anything on the upfront. And so if we make the money on the days they're not booked, Airbnb is the multi-billion dollar brand that's already doing the marketing. I'm just connecting two dots, finding a way to implement it into the system. And, uh, and that's exactly what we did. And so in learning that, we ended up getting to work with a client. And I'm telling you this, we thought it was going to be super fast. Like, hey, we're going to onboard this client. Amazing. They got like six to 10 resorts. They're luxury resorts, like five-star. One of them is a AAA five-diamond hotel resort. And I was like, oh, it's going to happen fast. Literally a year or something later, it's like, Going through all the hierarchies of people, that's not something you would expect. So going after boutique hotels that are mom and pop owned, you're going to get that decision maker to give you a yes and be able to move forward quicker versus having all these VPs and marketing revenue manager. So, and at high levels like that, trying to get a Hail Mary, they have always so many questions, but it's necessary because they're huge. And so... That happened. Then we have to. We had to work with a dev team to actually get it integrated. They actually went off and created their own custom PMS, so they transitioned that. So this has been like a two-year. It was like a two-year waiting period, basically, of just getting things set up and implementing, and then trying it with all-inclusive, trying it without all-inclusive. It's like nobody's really doing it, and so you know, hearing we actually got it at the time. We had it. Well, actually, still do Airbnb wrap. Airbnb will give a rep to people. And I don't really know how they do their qualifications. Like they'll reach out if you have like enough properties or it's like you just need extra help and just more of like a customer support person. And our Airbnb rep came from Hotels Tonight. Airbnb acquired Hotels Tonight. And he was like, you guys have an incredible idea. But one thing that I found is because it took so long to get up and going and I was only able to take just a piece of each little reservation based on having each individual day that might not be booked with resorts. The people are usually coming for like a week and also all inclusive. Airbnb doesn't have all inclusive. So you have to find a way to be able to implement that. So it's been, it's been like, when you think of Airbnb as a company, like their first mm-hmm. two, three years, I think they were going and visiting every host. Like, I think you need short-term, medium-term and long-term income. So you got to have your big play but you also got to make your money. Like I got to make money today, tomorrow, weekly. Yeah. You got to make money monthly. So that's something that's like, okay, that's either going to go and be like amazing or we're going to have to pivot. And right now my brain is actually working. Like this AI thing is really fascinating and I'm not going to spend time on something that after time, even though someone's like, okay, you've been successful at this, you might find that like, you're just not as uh, interested as you once were because you've done it so long. So now I'm trying to implement something new that will trigger my brain to want to incorporate both pieces that I think would be fascinating. So I want to make, I would not that I want to make, I want to have a solution where hotels, you know, Airbnbs um, can just be smarter, more efficient, less hands-on, 
guests can be happier and they can increase their revenue. And so that encompasses the whole idea of what it is, but it's already just tacking on people, what they're already doing and just making it better, saving them time, making them more money. So anyways, we're still early. I'm still learning lots and that's why I'm not really going into like specifics, but yeah, that's where I'm at right now. Awesome. We'll have to bring you back for part two when you're like develop your idea into some massive reality and you're ready to talk about it for sure. We do yeah. the round or you have any other additional questions that you want to ask? I'm good. We're going to do the lightning round. Okay. So you ready? Okay. Welcome to your midterm tip of the week. Are you often traveling for work and need a place to stay, but do not have the time or capacity to search endlessly on those online platforms? Midterm rental properties has been created to ensure that someone exactly like yourself who is looking for a quality assured stay but would like the assistance and a concierge white glove service to obtain this property gets the service they need. When you sign up with the property through Midterm Rentals, we ensure your stay is all-inclusive from collecting your dry cleaning to setting up a local gym membership to having a private chef deliver your food. For more information on how we can service you at your next midterm rental stay, please visit www.midtermrentalproperties.com. The lightning round, we're going to ask you five questions. You're ask the first question or the first answer that comes to mind in like 20 seconds or less. Okay. All right. You can make up the question. Yes. Question number one, what is your favorite real estate investing book? I love when people ask. That's always one of the questions on podcasts is, what's your favorite books? And I'm like, I actually don't read much. And it sounds so cliche. The Financial Quadrant, Robert Kiyosaki was one of them that stuck out to me. I did it during, I read it during 75 Hard. I actually found so much use out of reading books, but I don't know what it is. I'm audio and I love YouTube. So I'm always watching YouTube. So I'd say the fun. And I think that the thing to say about that is that like you're still feeding your brain with information yes. and you're yeah. still growing and you're still going to get the information, whether it's in a book format or YouTube format or like audio book books are a big one for me. Yeah. Because yeah. after the pandemic, I feel like I have like ADHD. I'm yeah, not a scientist yeah. anymore. Yeah, there's a lot. <laughs> so my books are through when I'm driving to and from the resort. Uh, yeah. And yeah. that's my audio book time. But I get it. I get it. So yeah. That's, that's just who I am. Yeah. Okay. Well, the next one is, what's your favorite podcast? Other uh, one, of course. Game. Well, Alex, Alex Hermosi, the game. I mean, I literally was just listening to him. He's just like, I don't know. He just operates on a different level and he's quick. If you haven't listened to him, go listen to him. He has $100 million offers. Doesn't make any money really off it. He's like 30 cents a book or something. He gives away for free. Built a $100 million plus dollar company gym launch in a couple of years. So. Very cool. Okay. We'll have to check that out. Number yeah. three, what do you do for fun? I love playing guitar. Uh, I'm a guitar player. Well, I shouldn't say I'm a guitar player, but I'm playing for like, I don't know, 12 years, 13 years, something like that. So I have like a mini guitar that I bring with me when I travel, when I can, and I have a large one. And so my kind of thing is like, and I like tequila, I'm not going to lie. So I like tequila and I like guitar. I'm on a health kick right now, but I still enjoy having tequila and all my friends know that about me. So if it's Friday night, I'm like, it's tequila Fridays. So let's make it happen and get people singing if I can. So that's awesome. if ever you're around my resort, because I think you go to the rock cliff here and there and that's how yeah. we connected, I believe. Oh, nice. well, you got to play some live music at a resort. So yeah, set it up. Awesome. It'd be fun. If you had to start over and you only had $50,000, what would you do and how? 
Yeah, I think a lot of people don't even have 50,000. So that's actually a pretty good start for most people. But if I had 50 grand, I think I would diversify a bit. So obviously with the knowledge I know, I'm going to have to find a way to make it's almost like that to undercover billionaire show or whatever. I think that's what it is. Or they like go undercover billionaire 90 days. Yeah. No funny. That was, that's a lot harder, but I would go and I would diversify in what I know. So it would be, I would probably invest in my brand right away. So I'd be connecting and I would hire a VA to go out on Instagram, start posting content related to Airbnb. I would get them reaching out to homeowners on Facebook marketplace, Kijiji, Craigslist. I'd find the oldest listings and I'd get them to DM them and I would try to show up, show value and offer my services for a month or two for free and make them more money than rent. So that's what I would do to land no money down deals at like 300, 400, 500 a month for that VA full time. And then I would take part of my other money and I would try to find other people who are interested in investing in real estate and try to get a piece of something that I can own so I can have control and then Airbnb it for a year and then try to make enough money out of there where we could do a refinance and then keep growing that. So that's what I would do 50,000 to grow my brand, land no money down deals where I could help market those properties. And then I would also buy real estate. And you could say arbitrage as well, but you'd have to be in certain cities. And I think in the U.S., you can get rent in some of those cities for like super cheap. Canada, rent is going way up, especially in Ontario. It like almost doesn't, it doesn't make sense in every scenario to pay 4000 a month and make 5000 a month on Airbnb versus paying 1000 a month or 1500 and making 4500 or 3000 a month. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's what I would do. I'd invest in my brand, leverage my time and start buying real estate and building that network. That, that was really good. And you combined my last two questions together and you answered them. So I mean, I just kind of my I just made that up on the That's spot. Awesome. That's my real answer. Yeah. That's awesome. All right, cool. So here's the last question. If somebody wants to scale their business, maybe they have a couple Airbnbs and they want to get to that next level. What are some challenges that you want to let them know? Hey, heads up, you'll likely encounter them. And and what are like maybe one or two key insights you can share with us? Yeah, cleaning. Cleaning is like one of the biggest things. That's like our biggest problem as well. Finding a good cleaner that's reliable and just gets the job done and without a checkup and then a revisit and then a checkup and then a revisit and Sarah cleaning and me cleaning. <laughs> and that's exhausting, right? Yeah. yeah. So that's the so challenge cool. and a couple key insights. What would those be? Like there's Turno. Turno is an Airbnb cleaning service, but like if finding good cleaners, like finding good cleaners is number one, but also making sure that I think if they have some sort of incentive, they might do a better job. So finding an incentive system instead of just paying on a per per job, because somebody might just like have a party versus somebody who's like super easy and it's the same rate for that job. So if they have a bonus incentive on revenue, I think that will help a lot. And people that may be newer to the country that are looking for a job just to step into the workforce. So maybe Filipino workers, maybe they're from Mexico. I don't know, but you find the I find like they do a really good job and not saying anything against North Americans. I'm North American myself, but I just find that if you do that and you train them and like they have involvement and they see the incentive of making more, it's going to be more than somebody who's already being given free money right now. No way to free money. But that is huge. Cleaners, making sure your PMS is all updated. They go in, they mark off and then having them take a video and pictures of the property once they leave. So if the next guest complains, you have proof it wasn't in that condition when they got there, if they want money back. So that is one bottleneck. You say two? No, that's fine. You know what? That's perfect. Let's, uh, we'll keep it at that. It's a great way to finish. Great. Where can my listeners reach out and find out more? (laughs) They can reach out by Instagram. I'm sure most people say that. So Instagram, Mr. Airbnb. 
M-R-A-I-R-B-N-B. No spaces, periods, capitals, none of that. Okay. All right. That's awesome. Thanks so much for being on the show. And uh, we'll have to have you back once once your hush, hush secret project is. I hate talking on things too early. <laughs> awesome. Thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you. Thank you Appreciate you. Thanks so much for listening to Where Should I Invest with your host, Sarah Larvey. Make sure to listen in next time. We'll catch you on the next episode of Where Should I Invest.